Welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 64. I am your host, Noah Rochetta. And the topic for the, the podcast episode today is we don't need to change ourselves. So recently I've been sharing snippets of teachings from Pema Chodron, um, a Tibetan Buddhist nun who teaches, she's an, an American who teaches um, Buddhism from the Tibetan tradition. And there is a book called The Pocket Pema Chodron by Shambhala Pocket Classics. And it's a small book that contains um, short teachings. So I've been sharing some of these teachings on the Facebook uh the Facebook group, the Secular Buddhism Podcast Community Facebook group. And I wanted to share one of the discussions that took place around one of the teachings. So the teaching that I shared from Payman, this is quoting her, says, uh, when people start to meditate or to work with any kind of spiritual discipline, they often think that somehow they're going to improve, which is a sort of subtle aggression against who they really are. It's like saying, if I jog, I'll be a much better person. If I could only get a nicer house, I'd be a better person. If I could meditate and calm down, I'd be a better person. Or the scenario may be that they find fault with others. They might say, if it weren't for my husband, I'd, I'd have a perfect marriage. If it weren't for the fact that my boss and I can't get along, my job would be great. And if it weren't for my mind, my meditation would be excellent. But loving-kindness, or Maitri, as it's called in the Tibetan tradition, uh, toward ourselves doesn't mean getting rid of anything. Maitri means that we can still be crazy after all these years. We can still be angry after all these years. We can still be timid or jealous or full of feelings of unworthiness. The point is not to try to change ourselves. Meditation practice isn't about trying to throw ourselves away and become something better. It's about befriending who we already are. The ground of practice is you or me or whoever we are right now, just as we are. That's the ground. That's what we study. That's what we come to know with tremendous curiosity and interest. So that was the snippet of the teaching that I shared from Pema, which is a wonderful little teaching on, on this concept of not needing to change ourselves. And then I, I posed the question or the challenge for the day was what if you could accept yourself and others just the way you or they are right now? No need to change anything. And sure, you can still strive for change, but that happens because you can change, not because you should change. So in a past podcast episode, I talked about this um, shifting from, from should to can. Um, so what if you really saw yourself, others, and life as inherently perfect just the way you are right now? What would that feel like? And this opened up a discussion in the Facebook group that I thought was a, a wonderful little discussion. And one of the uh, questions that arose in this discussion, which I think is a really good point to clarify, comes from Callie. So, Callie, thank you if you're listening. Thank you for, for interacting in the Facebook group and, and posting this question. 
uh, so we could elaborate on this concept a little bit more. So Callie said, I, I believe this perspective is very valuable, but only to a point. The power of changing should to can is immensely liberating, but surely at some point, moral imperatives must also come into play. For example, if I frequently lash out in physical violence at my husband and children, how can that be considered inherently perfect? Uh, so this is a really good point that Callie brings up. The idea of, um, you know, if, if we talk about not needing to change, how can we talk about a concept like inherent perfection when there are a lot of people out there who could uh, surely be better than they are now? Uh, so I wanted to discuss this a little bit in this podcast. The idea of perfection from the Buddhist perspective, it's not a moral qualification. There is no should or compelling an ethical or moral behavior from the Buddhist perspective uh, because from that same perspective, your inherent nature is kindness and goodness. So if you think about this for a second, this is the understanding that uh, we are physically hardwired to be receptive to kindness and to goodness. For example, uh, as humans, when you know, when a human child or a human is born from that stage of being a baby and growing, think of how many years it takes before a human being can live uh, all on their own. See, we require the care and the kindness and compassion of others for a significant portion of our lives. It's a survival mechanism. So in this sense, we are hardwired to... Uh, receive and to respond to loving kindness to, to the care of others it's 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 innate in us so again from the Buddhist perspective rather than saying that you should be kind the the Buddhist approach is to gain more insight or understanding into the mental conditioning that may be preventing one from experiencing that inherent nature so the idea here is that if we start out inherently kind or inherently receptive to kindness and compassion, something happens along the way as we grow that starts to, uh, I guess you could say, muddy, you know, muddies that uh, innate nature in us. It gets covered up. So the concept of being inherently perfect is to say that you already have in you the ability to not be physically or verbally violent. It's just a matter of discovering what conditioning is causing the unnatural behavior. So as an illustration to this point, there's a story in Buddhism of, of a golden Buddha statue in a monastery in Thailand that was once covered in clay and mud to hide it from an invading army. And the monks who, who did this, they covered up this golden Buddha statue. They never returned to the monastery. Maybe they were killed off or the point is they never returned, and the golden statue remained hidden under clay for decades, perhaps even centuries. At some point, new monks occupied the monastery, and they never knew the secret truth of this clay Buddha. So many years later, a monk was cleaning the statue, and he chips off a piece of the clay, only to reveal the true nature of the statue. It was a gold statue all along. And in a similar way, the Buddhist view of humanity is that we are like this golden Buddha, inherently perfect, but often covered in the clay of mental conditioning, often in the form of bad ideas, harmful beliefs, hurtful concepts, 
And this conditioning drives a lot of our thoughts and actions. And yet at our core, we are inherently perfect because our true nature, when uncovered, when peeled away, when the conditioning is peeled away, um, we're already enlightened, right? This is why from the Buddhist perspective, uh, the paradox of wanting to become enlightened is that you can't become something that you already are. Uh, I think this is why Pema talks about not needing to change ourselves. In that sense, there is nothing to change. There are only layers of conditioning to peel away. And the irony is that as those layers of conditioning peel away, our way of being certainly changes. But who we are at the core doesn't necessarily change. That's, that's a foundational piece that uh, we've always been. From the Buddhist perspective, this is called Buddha nature. And this is your inherent nature. That's why from this uh, line of thinking, from this perspective, it's appropriate to say we don't need to change ourselves. Remember, the aim of Buddhism is to help us to understand the nature of reality, the nature of ourselves, and to let uh, the nature of suffering and to let go of the causes of suffering. And this process starts with taking a critical look at how we see the world, and perhaps more importantly, at how we see ourselves. This is where this concept of uh, we don't need to change ourselves comes from. When we really look closely at ourselves, the nature of who and how we are, we discover through this lens that there really is no need to change ourselves. Thich Nhat Hanh, a Zen Buddhist monk, says that the secret of Buddhism is to remove all ideas, all concepts, in order for the truth to have a chance to penetrate, to reveal itself. Now, this is a quote I've always enjoyed because to me, what this evokes is that sense of just visualize the clay statue. And the wisdom of, of Buddhism is that it's the, it's the peeling away is the process that takes place, peeling away the layers of clay to uncover what's really there. And what we're doing when we do this process with ourselves as, a, as an introspective, uh, contemplative practice, you're looking inward. And what you're seeing is, I am... Uh, I'm covered in this clay of concepts, ideas and beliefs, opinions, all, you know, all of these conceptualized ways of being. And it's not about adding more to that. This is why from the Buddhist perspective, wisdom isn't about gaining knowledge. It's about unlearning. It's about unlearning our, our, our concepts. Uh, like Thich Nhat Hanh says, the secret of Buddhism is to remove, remove the concepts. So you start to peel away these concepts and these layers and these ideas that you have about the world, about others, and specifically about yourself. And in this process, what you start to discover is what's been there all along, this uh, inherent nature to be kind, to be compassionate, because we're all hardwired for that. Um, so that clarifies a little bit this teaching uh, this line of thinking in Buddhism of we don't need to change ourselves. And if you think about this for a moment, just think of how ingrained it is in our society, this concept of change. Everything that we, that we see in marketing and advertising is telling us that there's something that needs to change. And, you know, when you buy this product, that's when, that's when you'll finally be happy. That's when you'll be the better, better version of yourself or, um, 
or you know when you when you lose weight that's when you'll finally be you or when you look this way or that way you know that's when you'll finally be uh, who you're meant to be and that's the illusion that's what, what what buddhism is saying is hey that's all based on a conceptualized belief the belief that there's how i am and there's how i should be and i'm not they're not matching and until i can become who i think i should be um, i am I'm, I'm not capable of being content with who I am. And Buddhism is trying to, to switch that and say, you can only ever be who you are. You know, the, the, we talk about this all the time, that um, wherever you are, that's where you are. And, and the idea of getting there is an illusion because you get there and there is no there there. You get there and there is now here. So it's always here. And it's always now. And you cannot escape that. And, and that same line of thinking goes into how you view yourself. You're always going to be you. The you that you are is the only you that you'll ever be. Now, that's not to say that you're not going to change. You're absolutely going to change. Because one of the things that we discover about the nature of reality is continual change, right? This is the whole teaching of impermanence. Things are always changing. You can you can do, uh, see this clearly by looking back and seeing who you were now, who you are now compared to who you were a year ago or five or ten years ago at any any given point in, in your past. But go further and you, and you start to see really drastic changes, right? The five year old you versus the you that's listening to this podcast now. It's not the same you at all, almost in any way. Um, and. and, and so we're presented with this idea in our society that we need to change. We're always trying to become the, the version of ourselves that we think is the most authentic version. And the truth is there, there isn't one. I mean, the one, the one that's always you is the one that's always you, the one in the present, in the here and now. That's the only one. Um, so I, I want to extend this line of thinking a little bit more with another concept that I want to share from uh, an email that I received from Donna. Uh, Donna is a skydiver. Uh, she interacts in our Facebook community, a really cool person. And I've interacted with Donna a few times. So Donna, if you're listening to this podcast episode, uh, thank you for the past interactions and discussions that we've had by email, um, furthering or clarifying some of these concepts. So something that Donna brought up uh, while we're on this line of, of impermanence and interdependence um, you know, I've shared on several occasions this teaching that uh, that starts with Thich Nhat Hanh, where he talks about how if you've ever seen a flower and all you saw was the flower, you've never actually seen the flower. And then goes on to, um, to talk about how the flower is made up entirely of non-flower elements, right? You look at the, to see the flower, you have to see the sun, you see the clouds, you see the rain, the soil, the mud, Everything that it takes for a flower to be a flower, it's all the, it's, you see it's made up entirely of non-flower elements. That is a, is a very powerful uh, visual teaching of the idea of interdependence. So this line of thinking I want to, um, to expound upon a little bit. And this starts from an email that I received from Donna. So Donna was talking about this concept and saying how helpful or how useful that is uh, you know, the teaching of, of looking at the flower. But it, in her case, it didn't necessarily hit home or really click 
until she applied that way of seeing to people. And in this case, it was a coworker. And she mentioned sometimes with uh, certain people come across like they're just out to make your life miserable. And in this case, she, she kind of mentions this example of someone who, who seems like their goal is just to be annoying. And for her, this radical shift uh, happened when she was able to see the person in the same light of seeing the flower. What are all of the non-person elements in this person? And, um, and that's where it really starts to hit home and it really starts to make an impact in how you see yourself and how you see others. Um, so the, this reminds me of a concept that I've been playing with in my head with uh, the idea of, of seeing deeply or deep seeing. You know, in our society, we've all heard of deep listening, the idea that you listen past what's being said and you hear what's being said in conjunction with where these words are coming from, what could be causing this. This is really useful in relationships to practice deep listening. Um, but I like the idea of deep seeing. Uh, the idea of deep seeing implies that whatever it is I'm looking at, and I think this covers listening too, but whatever that thing is that's happening, it's either a coworker saying something to you or a person, a uh, uh, you know, your spouse or partner is saying something to you, whatever the instance is that's taking place, to see deeply means I'm going to look through space and time, and in terms of space, I see interdependence. In terms of time, I see impermanence. So what that means is, let's say somebody says something to you that rubs you the wrong way. Now, in that moment, you can you can see that for what it is. Here are the words, and I don't like how this makes me feel. That's the instance, that's the experience that's unfolding. Now to see deeply, I would spend just a brief moment thinking, what did it take for this moment to arise? In terms of time, let's, in, ter in terms of time first, you could say, well, what events in the past have led to this uh, moment, to, to this person saying what they did? Could it be that um, you know, it could be on a smaller scale of time. It could be, did they wake up in a bad mood? Did they not have breakfast today? Did they, a car cut them off on, on their drive to work? Um, what kind of small scale things may have contributed to the, to this instance unfolding the way that it's unfolding? And this, you know, you can go back further in time and imagine, was it, is this how this person was raised? Is this uh, a thought that was taught to them uh, by their uh, their parents or you know where where do you where do you really draw the line and say okay that's what's causing this person to say what they're saying right now or to do what they're doing right now in terms of time um, so the point here is that this exercise allows you to see that the the experience that's unfolding there's much more to it than than that present moment there's pretty much everything that's ever happened in the past that's led to this moment. So that softens the intensity of, of the moment as it's unfolding in the present, the experience of the present. That's in terms of time. Now you do this in terms of space, interdependence, and, and you have the same thing. You, you take this event and what was just said and you start connecting it to all the things that allow this thing to be unfolding the way that it is. Um, and what, like you would the flower, right? There's the flower, that's the, the present moment experience. 
But then what allows that to be what it is in terms of space? Well, with a flower, you've got the sun and the, and the rain and the clouds and all, all of those processes. But you do that with people too, as, as uh, the experience in the present moment unfolds. Try to uh, go back and look at space and time, impermanence and interdependence. And, and what should happen is in that moment, you realize there is so much more to this than whatever this is somebody's here and they're insulting me there's so much more to this and they don't even know that they are the culmination of all of these causes and conditions and they don't even they may not even realize that um so that's kind of the the idea that donna was talking about which i, I really like it's taking the concept of the flower and applying it to people and applying it to yourself i think this correlates pretty well with the concept of we don't need to change ourselves because when we see ourselves as we truly are, interdependent with all of these other non-you elements, you start to see the bigger picture. And when you do the same in terms of time, you start to see the impermanent nature of who you are. And you start to see that the illusion of a permanent self is truly an illusion because there's no aspect of us that is permanent. Everything about us is impermanent constantly changing, and furthermore, uh, completely interdependent with everything else. So what we have in that moment is a more appropriate view of ourselves in terms of the nature of reality. And that's what Buddhism is trying to get at. That's what Thich Nhat Hanh, again, with the secret of Buddhism, is to remove all ideas and all concepts in order for the truth to have a chance to penetrate, to reveal itself. So if you want to discover the truth about yourself, Try to remove the concepts and the ideas that you have about yourself and just look there for a minute and see what you see. See how that feels. And what you should discover in this is exactly what Pema is talking about. In, in, that, in seeing that, you discover that we do not need to change ourselves. Uh, we are inherently perfect just the way that we are. And, and, then, and then you can ask, well, now what? Now that this is what I see, and this is exactly how it is, what am I going to do about it? Because change is inevitable. That's the irony. Uh, change is inevitable. It will happen, but you're not fighting against it. You're, you're just going with the flow uh, in an impermanent, you're an impermanent, interdependent entity in an impermanent, interdependent world, and you're going with the flow. And that's, that's the line of thought that uh, holds up this concept of why we don't need to change ourselves. So that's what I wanted to share. It, it all stems from a discussion that took place on the Facebook group. Um, I've been posting these things every day. Every day there's a new teaching, a new line of thought, um, and it's been fun to engage with many of you in the Facebook group, um, expanding a little bit on these ideas. So I'm really happy to be back to this format of the podcast where I'm just sharing a specific teaching that stands out to me or a concept and then expanding it a little bit. Uh, as you know, the past several episodes have all been interviews and they all kind of stacked up. I guess what I should have done is just have those uh, spaced out because now I don't have any interviews uh, scheduled. And that's fine. I, I've mentioned this before. I don't want to switch to the interview format. I just wanted to have occasional interviews that I throw in the podcast. So in the future, I will space those out. It might be one a month or maybe one every two months. 
But what I do want to do more often is at least once a week give you this kind of podcast episode, a shorter um, topical-based podcast episode um, like I've done in the past. So this is what I've got for today. The challenge or question I'd like to leave with you, um, as I mentioned in the discussion, is what if you accepted yourself and others just the way that you and they are right now? Understanding that there's no need to change and again, sure, change is going to happen, and it'll happen because it can happen. That's the nature of it. But what if you remove that sense of should out of the equation of change? Things will change, but they shouldn't have to change. They just will. And what if you really saw yourself and others and life itself as inherently perfect just the way that you are right now, just the way that life is right now? To try to uncover the layers of conditioning, that clay that hides the inherent nature of how you really are, how someone else really is, to try to peel away those layers and see uh, see someone, how they really are. Now here, one of the interesting things is you may understand this about someone and that changes the way that you see them, but they may st still see themselves as, I'm just made out of clay. And, and you see them differently because you say, yeah, but I know what's under that clay. Now just explore that concept a little bit and see what that feels like when you extend that view onto someone else. And where this gets really powerful is when you can extend this view onto yourself, the way you view yourself. And suddenly there's this peace and acceptance of who you are, just how you are. So those were the ideas that I wanted to share with you. Um, hopefully, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, you'll be willing to share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes. Um, and if you'd like to join our online community, visit secularbuddhism.com forward slash community. There you'll find the link to the Facebook group. If you're not interest, interested in joining the Facebook group, you can always join our online weekly sangha. Um, that's done through a, a program called Zoom. And Sunday mornings, uh, people call in and we have a video conference where uh, we, have, we practice uh, meditation. And then there's a, a topic or a discussion that's shared at the end of the at the end of that. Um, so that's another community you can join. Both of those options are available on secularbuddhism.com forward slash community. And if you'd like to make a donation to support the work I'm doing with the podcast, please visit secularbuddhism.com and click on the donate button. That's all I have for now, but I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. Until next time. <laughs>